Welcome to Real World, a podcast from Stumo West for soon-to-be college graduates and young professionals who desire to walk faithfully with Jesus in the real world. I'm Dave Matthews. I'm your host for today's episode. We have the privilege of sitting down with Kosti Hinn to have a conversation about why the church matters. Kosti, how are we doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. And pumped to have you. We have an amazing topic, like we said. We're talking about the church, talking about why it's important to choose the right church, to know what the church is, how we're supposed to function, etc. And over the course of the next couple episodes, we're going to be diving into that together. And I can think of no one better to have on the podcast than you, my pastor, Kosti. So let's have at it, man. Okay, so we'll start off with this. What is the church? When someone says the church, what does that mean? Break that down a little bit for us so we're all on the same page. Yeah, I find it helpful to break down words at times, know what they mean. That's important. Like if I were to say, I love you, you, what does love mean or what does that look like? So we're talking about the church. The word often used, most often used in the New Testament is the word ekklesia, which is the Greek word that could just mean a general assembly of people. It always, in fact, does mean no less than a physical gathering of people coming together. But it does mean more than that when the New Testament writers are referring to it. There is a reference to called out ones, an assembly that's getting together outside of the usual definition of just a crowd. These are people who have a purpose together. And so when we're talking about what a church is, we're referring to believers who are gathering together with a group of people. They're going to worship God. So there's a unity there. There's a focus and a purpose. Uh, When they gather together, they're doing some things like singing and teaching and praying and giving and serving and fellowshipping and they're discipling. They're even disciplining, Mm -hmm. which would be the idea of dealing with each other's sin, which even just this past Sunday I was studying and preaching that Peter's saying that we're to love one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Yeah, we're going to sin against each other and we're caring for one another. So picture this group of people that are living with one purpose. For us, it's believers worshiping Christ and bearing with one another for the glory of God. That's generally speaking what we're talking about when we say the church. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, so w- with that definition, now and we'll put some more wheels onto this as we discuss, but what is that what are some initial things that that means are responsible we're responsible for that we should be doing as the church? Because we talk about there are churches, individual church buildings, but then there is what the Bible talks about as the church, the ecclesia. Yeah. What should that look like for us if we are if we are the church? First, you should know what in the world the church is mm-hmm. and what it does because you're wearing a label. So uh, we always say this around our parts, like you're wearing the Jesus jersey. If yeah, you got a uniform if, on. Yeah, yeah, you've got a uniform <laughs> on. If you're going to rock the jersey and mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm one of those followers of Jesus, I'm a part of the church. Okay, well, you better know what the jersey represents. Uh, you want to be running your faith race with other people. So if you're part of the church, which is a, a plural idea, meaning people, mm-hmm. even though it's a singular body, one body, one big C church, well, you are you with people? Do you have people in your life? So there's an important thing we should be talking about. And then another one, are you regularly gathering with those people? Like, do they know you or is it sort of a come and go? I always say there's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. Mm -hmm. I know that there's people out there doing Lone Ranger Christianity, but I'd say there's no such thing as it because they shouldn't be doing that. We should be together. We're better together and we're meant to be together. And then we should be accountable to the church because if there's this group of people which are worshiping God, and there's these things we do, well, then when you're not doing them, but you say you wear the jersey, I need you to tell me, hey, man, you're rocking the jersey, but you don't play for the team. Right. Or I say that to you. So accountability 
is important. So I know we'll get into a lot of that, but we really need to know what are we supposed to do? A last illustration is you here at Stumo. I say, hey, you're the, like, what's your title here? Uh, creative producer. Okay, creative producer. One of the most important things you could ever know after being called the creative producer or in your interview, hey, we'd love for you to be the creative producer or I wanna be the creative producer. Okay, what's next? Job description. Exactly. Yeah, we, we we can't we can't succeed if there's no bullseye. Like how how totally. do we how do we live that out if we don't know what we're doing? Yeah. Okay, so that's a perfect segue. Let's dive into that. With the big C church, as you put it, with the 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 whole combined group of saints of believers, what is the mission of the church? Like when God instituted the, instituted the church, Jesus mm-hmm. died, was resurrected, and ascended, and then instituted the apostles. Yep. Now, what is the mission of the church now that we are in the church age? Yeah. Let me add one layer of clarity there. When I say big C, I mean the whole body of believers across the world mm-hmm. are part of the big C church. And then we are little C expressions of the big C. So here's what I mean by that. I pastor Shepherd's House. Dave, you're there. We're there. When we meet on Sunday, we're a part of the big C. Mm-hmm. All over the world, believers are meeting. That's the body of Christ but we're a little C, a local expression. And yet we all have the same mission. Pretty amazing. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, and Acts 1, 8 summarize the mission of the church. If you say, what's our mission? Well, we're plan A. We are who God has left here. Otherwise, he would just taken us all to heaven. We'd all be having a great time up there and be done with it. To not only be grown and edified together as his church to bring him glory, but to evangelize and reach more people for his great name. And so Acts 1.8, Jesus, he's about to go. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then even to the ends of the earth. So you have this clear mission and the Great Commission, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. So we baptize, we teach, we guide people and say, hey, follow Jesus. That's our mission. And so a decent mission statement at a local church would be to make disciples. That's the mission. That's why we're here. And then why did he do that? The the great question. And of course, I know because I know everything, right? You know, just kidding. <laughs> the mind of God. It, I, I don't know why he did it all this way in the mm-hmm. sense that, you know, why didn't you just take us all to heaven, Lord, and be done with this? Sure. I, no more, no more brokenness, no more war, no more pain, no more sickness, no more fear, no more death. But he left us here because in John 10, you have this beautiful chapter about the good shepherd, Jesus. And he says in that moment, I have more sheep, I must bring them. And there's this beautiful mystery that salvation is not just for the Jews, Roman 1, Romans 1, 16 and 17, which says for the Jew first and then the Greek It's not just for the Jews, even though you have Israel and these beautiful things in the Old Testament. They're God's people. He chooses them to be his people. And then you've got Jesus coming, and he's a Jew. They're like, oh, the Messiah. And they all think the Messiah is just for them, and he's going to just inaugurate his kingdom, and it's all about them. They're going to overthrow Rome. Well, guess what? He's going to save Gentiles, non-Jews. He's going to save people now in different countries, in South America, North America, in Asia, in Africa. doesn't matter where you are or what your story is or how busted up, broken, and sinful your past is or who your parents are or if you don't have parents or what your heritage is. Jesus, the beautiful mystery that Paul comes and declares, is salvation for all. That's why. So God is in the business of saving people and so he's left us here. 
to do that and help with that as he wins their hearts. Yeah. And we could sit and, and nitpick and wonder all day going like, well, would it have been more glorifying to God if he just took us all up into heaven instantly and we stopped <laughs> sinning, you know, and whatever. And yep. we don't have to to, 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 to have that conversation because ultimately we can trust in God's sovereignty. He has chosen to leave us here. He has chosen for us to bring the gospel forward. I got my job description. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why can't I be the, the technical audio guy? I don't know. He just, here's the creative director spot. <laughs> it's exactly. what we're asking you to do. Okay, but Lord. It's definitely better <laughs> that I'm in my job and you're in your job. We'll just leave it at that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but so with all that, so Jesus, you know, leaves us with this vision and gives us mm -hmm. the Great Commission, gives us a job to do, gives us, hey, here's the bullseye, here's what you guys should be doing. How did we get from there to the church, like to having mm -hmm. churches, to the structure we have now? Help us kind of understand maybe a little bit of church history, maybe a little yeah. bit of just, you know, logic and reason. Yep. How did we get to where we are now? Yeah, I'm going to do, if you're not familiar with him, John Piper this theologian, pastor, great guy, real faithful. Maybe a lot of people are aware of him. He gets asked questions and he likes to go to the roots of it. So yes. we're going to do a little let's John go. Piper. I love that. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. So let's go back, not completely in time, but just John 16. Jesus is going away. The disciples are freaking out a bit. He says in John 14, in this world, you will have trouble. Take care, take comfort. I've overcome the world. He's setting them up for his departure. He says about the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin and righteousness. He will teach you all things. He will disclose to you all things. He'll bring to remembrance the things I've spoken. That's how in the world all the apostles wrote scripture. And years later, Jesus isn't there saying, hey, write this. The Holy Spirit is, is reminding them of what he said. They're writing perfect, unified, beautiful gospel narratives. Mm -hmm. And he says, and he will glorify me. Jesus talking about himself being glorified by the Holy Spirit. Well, why do I bring that up? Because there's this moment coming in which the Holy Spirit's ministry starts. And that's why Jesus in John 16 says, it's to your advantage that I go away. So now we're going, you're leaving, really? And you say it's better? So this one that you're sending, the helper, the Holy Spirit, must be really awesome, really powerful, and going to do something in us and through us. I sure hope so, that if that's why you're leaving, Jesus. You know, that yeah. maybe is like the, the side commentary of that conversation. So he leaves, the Holy Spirit comes. Well, now we go to Acts 2, and Pentecost explodes. There's tongues of fire dropping. People think they're drunk. They're actually speaking in these known languages and declaring the gospel. People are getting saved. You have this explosion happening. Peter gets up, makes his big stand, preaches his sermon. Repent and believe, men of Jerusalem, you crucified him. They're pierced to the heart. They're going, brethren, what shall we do? And he goes, repent, repent. You know, it's like the first big sermon is repent. 3,000 souls are added, they get baptized, and now you have all these people that are following Jesus who's not there, who said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. They're baptized into that body, baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and now, okay, now what? So they start gathering together, and they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. Well, now what? Humanity, sin, problems, Corinth, sexual immorality, they're suing each other. People don't know what to do. People are doing weird things with their spiritual gifts. Other people are just living like the world. False teachers are coming because in Acts 20, verse 28, Paul's like, hey, by the way, it's not really the world that y'all need to worry about most of the time. It's going to be wolves that come from within. They're going to be sneaky. The devil loves to get within our ranks and divide us. Okay, now we're doing church. Now we need a structure which is why out of all that explosion of beautiful, God-glorifying gospel ministry, believers start doing the one another's and caring for each other under 
qualified leaders. So 1 Timothy 3, the book of Titus, these are pastoral letters that Paul writes to help put a structure together. He says, these are the kind of leaders in 1 Timothy 3 that are qualified. These are the elders, not just everybody who wants power, not the dude that's real cool and influential, not because he's got lots of followers on Instagram, not because he's a real good communicator, but because he's a man of character and he can lead and be a servant leader who teaches deacons. They just love to serve. They're dignified. And now you can trust your leaders. You know who looks like a wolf and you know who looks like a qualified leader. Follow their example, ultimately following Christ. Do this together. And again, the verse I brought up earlier from 1 Peter 4, love one another sincerely. Serve one another. Be hospitable without complaint. For love covers a multitude of sins. He says they're serving gifts, speaking gifts. We're doing all of that together in a church. And that's really the picture of the structure now Mm -hmm. out of what I think is kind of a fun way to say it, Christ exalting chaos, meaning not that God is a God of chaos. Don't hear what I'm not saying. The church explodes. Mm -hmm. It is wild. 3,000 souls. It exalts Christ. And God brings order to that moment through the New Testament epistles. So hopefully that gives a picture of where we get this idea that there needs to be some order and there's some structure. We can't just willy-nilly, like, we're a church. Okay, why Why and how? What we're, are we doing? Yeah, and I, I want to dive into that in one second, but I think it's cool. You see, like, if you go to what Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, he tells the Ephesians, when Jesus ascended back, he mm. gave, Jesus gave the apostles, prophets, yes. evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the yep. work of ministry. So mm. Jesus didn't just go, all right, I'm leaving. Hope it works out. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> yeah, he, he provided something specifically specifically for us uh, and, and a structure that, that works and makes mm. sense and is to his glory. Uh, so with that, though, I think one thing that is probably good for us to discuss and for our listeners to yeah. understand, um, man, when, when they're looking for a church, if they're going towards if they've graduated college, they're saying, oh, I want to move to this city where I got a job looking for a church. There's any number of, you know, probably hundreds, even thousands in mm-hmm. that city of churches that they could go to that call themselves churches. But what actually constitutes a church? Like for mm-hmm. us as believers, what should we look at something and say that is a church or maybe even a better definition is that is part of the actual big C church. That yep. is a church as Jesus would define it. Like, how do we know what is a church? Yeah. Let me give you two kind of approaches to this. I'll give you the shotgun kind of scriptural tour and then a boiled down list. A friend of mine is deemed the nine marks of a healthy church. You know, Mark Dever, great guy, disciple making guy. Um, When you look at scripture from the book of Acts onward, which Acts is a historical look of the explosion of the church and the missions movement of Paul, and then the New Testament letters to the churches. You see the church doing certain things. So here's what people need to be looking for. The gospel proclaimed. They need to be looking for the ordinances observed. That's Mm -hmm. baptism. You you see believers getting baptized. You see communion, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table. That's 1 Corinthians 11. Paul tells them how to take it. You see singing. You see the word of Christ dwelling richly within people, Colossians Mm 3.16. And you see Ephesians 4, like you brought up, 11 and 12. You see qualified church leaders equipping the saints for the work of service. So you see leaders pouring in and equipping people. You see those people utilizing their spiritual gifts to build up the body. You should be seeing all that. But now I want to go into a little more of a, a structural approach. What Nine Marks did so well is they they studied the Word and said, okay, here's the things that we see in Scripture 
So look at this. And the first one that they mention is preaching. You need preaching. Why? Well, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But before verse 17, like verses 14, that the feet of those who bring the good news are beautiful. Or how are they going to hear if someone doesn't preach? And so preaching is essential. So if you go and gather with a group of people and it's sort of just a hangout, well, we've not really experienced a healthy mark. Now, this is going to be a full picture, but preaching. You want the proclamation of God's Word. Biblical theology is another one, and by biblical, we all know I'm talking about the Bible, and theology is just the Greek word theos and then logic, so the knowledge or the logic of God. I want you not just to get up and preach stories or, hey, here's some cool things to help you be a better you. Like, okay, that could be helpful if I at like a leadership conference or I'm like, okay, make me a better me. But I came here today because my soul needs care and I need divine truth to do that because I'm made in the image of God. So I need the word of God. So I need a biblical theology. I need real knowledge about him. Please don't tell me about myself anymore. I'm tired of me. I need God. Third, you need the gospel in that, which is bad news, good news. Not just, hey, there's hope. God loves you. Just follow him. It's all good. He loves you the way you are. Don't change. We love you. Okay, there's like a little bit of truth there and then some confusion. The gospel is bad news. We're sinners. We got a problem. Good news. Jesus is a savior. He's the solution. I want the gospel preached. If my church is not preaching the gospel with some regularity and I'm not hearing, how do I, how can I invite my friends into the gathering of these believers? And then the believers don't even share the gospel. So we don't ever graduate from the gospel. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a church, you're like, hmm, what should I be looking for? Look for a church that never graduates from the gospel. And they, they, in the full gospel, like you said, it's, yes. it's just not just, hey, there's good news and, you know, Jesus died for you. You know, like you can have this. If you, Do you want it? Why do I need him? Yeah, exactly. They have to be preaching the full gospel. And that's for sure. Totally. Yeah. And then there's a few more conversion. You want to. So the church, this sometimes rubs people the wrong way, but I'd love to challenge your thinking in this. If this is maybe you conversion, like believers, that's another mark of a church. The church is not for the world. Now, I know you're like, well, you said we're plan A. Yes, you, the church, are plan A. As the world enters into our midst and they see believers worshiping God, they go, wow, surely God is in this place. There is a God. I want to know him. The church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, is a set-apart group. And the, the unbeliever enters into our midst and observes us worshiping our God, and they are simply blown away. So a church is not for the the unbeliever just to come and be entertained or be made to feel okay. The church is for believers, and here's what I want you to picture that as, if this is provocative to you. This is good to think through. The church is a family gathering expecting guests. I want you to think of your Thanksgiving for a moment. There's a family gathering the family is in. The family's been reading together, praying together, cooking the turkey together. They know the, the recipes together. But then you invite people into that. And what's the goal? To make people feel welcome and apart, but you want them to also experience the family and eventually join the family. So conversion, you want to see believers in that place. Evangelism is the other side, and that's for those of us that get a little bothered by maybe like, for the, it's for the church, man. What about the lost? I'm with you because I'm a very evangelistic pastor. Well, that's evangelism. When Billy Graham was gathering massive crowds to preach the gospel, that wasn't the church. That wasn't a church gathering. That was evangelism. Well, the church needs to be doing that. 
So we're not the holy huddle or the frozen chosen. We are trying to proclaim the gospel to people. So you want to see evangelism in your church. Mm-hmm. Uh, church membership, which is just the idea of knowing and being known, loving and being loved. You're aware. You don't just come and go like, hey, I go to this church. Oh, really? What's the pa- Who's the pastor over there? I don't know. He's a guy. I let go. It's kind of fun. We chill and then we bounce. It's like, no, you're doing like a 50-minute, you know, like a drive-through. Yeah, you're going of, to a, a seminar. Yeah, you're going to a, a seminar. You bounce. You know, you want to go somewhere that where the people actually know you mm-hmm. and they can hold you accountable. Nothing scarier than doing Lone Ranger Christianity. Uh, discipline's another one. Church discipline, Matthew 18. You want to be somewhere where there has been a moment where you've seen sin called out or it's been your own sin or you've had the opportunity to talk to someone about that. That's how we stay accountable. Paul to the Thessalonians, remember, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Well, that first one, you admonish the unruly. You go to your brother and show him his stuff. So the church isn't like, hey, it's okay to be not be okay. You're okay. I'm okay. Let's just be broken together. No, 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 no. We want to grow in the discipline of God and his truth. And then two more, discipleship and leadership. Discipleship, what are we doing if we're not making disciples? So again, you don't come and hang out and hear Costi speak, and then you're good. See you later. Go do what you want. It's a lifestyle of worship, no, no doubt, and discipleship. So we want people being stirred up by the word and going out to live it. And then leadership, you need qualified leaders. That's why in today's generation, you get people that say, well, Facebook's my church, and my outdoor adventure club is my church. My CrossFit's my church. You know, I'm over church. I'm done with the institution of church. I've been hurt by too many people. Uh, you know, my my neighbors are my church. You go, well, hold on. I'm sorry that unqualified, abusive, unbiblical leaders hurt you, but there are qualified leaders who will love you and walk with you, raise you up, and deploy you like Paul and Timothy and Titus and faithful many faithful people here today in the world. Don't give up on that because you're missing one of the key marks of what the Bible says a qualified church is, actual leaders who match First Timothy 3. So that's kind of a tour, man. I love that, man. That's so good. Give me one final thing, kind of to pin that up. I know there's a, a I think it was by Lehman, a quote that, you've, yeah. that I've heard you say before yep. um, that describes a church. Can I give, put a bow on all that for us? Totally. Jonathan Lehman, great churchman, says, a local church is a group of Christians who regularly gather in Christ's name to officially affirm and oversee one another's membership in Jesus Christ, so not country club membership, in Christ and his kingdom through gospel preaching and gospel ordinances. Mm -hmm. So you get a group of Christians, they regularly gather, they exercise oversight and affirmation of one another under qualified leaders, Uh, they represent Christ and his rule, they gather in his name, they use preaching and the ordinances, they acknowledge him, that's what the church does together. 